Missouri. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Randy Tober, along with Stephanie Bell. Good morning. And producer Hannah. Hello. And John Marsh. Good morning. And we have a special guest. His name is Missouri's Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, who joins us now after the release of a big report, General Bailey. Tell us about it. Yeah, guys. Hey, look, we're proud of the work we did to remove the Soros-backed prosecutor in the city of St. Louis. She was unlawfully refusing to do her job. She had turned control of the streets over to the criminals. She needed to be held accountable. We filed action uh, in, in court to remove her within less than 45 days of me being in office. We pushed that case forward. And two hours before she was about to be ordered to sit for deposition and turn over tens of thousands of pages of documents, she vacated that office. And it was a direct result of our work in this litigation. And we're proud of the work we did. It's important that the people understand what went wrong here so we can put systems in place to prevent it from ever happening again. And that's all documented in the report. We wanted to get that out there so that the people could see where the breakdown occurred in this deadly social experiment that had catastrophic results, not only for St. Louis, but for the people of the state of Missouri. It's been a tough uh, it's been a tough battle across the, the these United States, hasn't it General Bailey, trying to to root out these guys and just get them guys and gals across the state whether it's in St. Louis or Chicago or anywhere. And uh Missouri and with your leadership was successful in that whereas other jurisdictions, I think of LA and others, even recall votes haven't uh, resulted in uh either resignation or ouster one way or another. It was good to see. Yeah, look, Missouri's fortunate that uh, we, we live in a state that has a legal mechanism, and certainly as Attorney General, we had the, the fortitude and tenacity to file a suit and push it forward. You know, I think the numbers are telling. Look, there were 4,000 police reports, more than 4,000 police reports, sitting on a desk that she hadn't touched. Those were crimes that were committed that were reported by the police that she didn't do anything about. She had a 86% non-prosecution rate. Of the reports she actually did review, she didn't do anything about 96% of them, which means she's only filing about 4% of the cases that, that come to her office. She had a 39% dismissal rate. So of the small percentage of cases she actually filed, she dismissed 39% of them. And to put it in context, the court had to dismiss 2,700 cases because of her unlawful refusal to send discovery, prep witnesses for trial, and, and show up to court. And that forced the court to have to dismiss cases. So this was an abominable failure. She came to office bragging about uh, you know, a new uh, a new uh, approach to criminal justice to reduce the criminal uh, the, the footprint of the criminal justice system to balance racial equities. And anytime you have that kind of nebulous social agenda, harm follows. And it had deadly catastrophic consequences uh, for the state of Missouri. General, is uh, coming from your background as a prosecutor yourself, both uh, at the county level and also in the AG's office. What about Kim Gardner stands out to you the most? Well, I think one of the things that's most frightening, and I think this is kind of a telltale sign for uh, other states, and again, it, for a, potentially a, a blueprint for other states to use, but she partnered with the Vera Institute. And the Vera Institute is a left-wing, radical uh, advocacy organization. Unfortunately, the, the Vera Institute receives federal funding. They, they receive uh, grants from Biden's Department of Justice, tens of millions of taxpayer dollars that funnel through the DOJ into the Vera Institute and allows this insidious group 
to infiltrate prosecutors' offices. Uh, the Vera Institute became hopelessly intertwined with uh, Kim Gardner's office and encouraged her to abandon a case-by-case analysis in favor of a systemic in- approach. So what does that mean? That means she's nullifying law by not enforcing it. Specifically, let's look at armed criminal action, section 571015. If you commit a felony and also use a dangerous or deadly instrument, you are also guilty of a second felony of armed criminal action. Armed criminal action carries a minimum, uh, mandatory minimum prison term. That's an important tool for prosecutors to use to get the most violent offenders, the people that are hurting other people, off the street. She refused to file ACA actions. And so that's exactly what the Vera Institute had called on her to do. She acquiesced. That partnership, again, was devastating. And so we're calling on Congress to eliminate future funding from the for the Vera Institute. I would encourage other like-minded state attorneys general to look at their uh, state-level prosecutions and determine if any of their offices have partnered with the Vera Institute and eliminate and eradicate those relationships because they have devastating consequences for public safety. Attorney General Andrew Bailey joins us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. So now that she's gone and we've got a new prosecutor in there, Gabe Gore, are you all interfacing with him at all, helping with the transition, keeping an eye on that office? Because, you know, you can't just write that ship, you know, super quickly. Yeah, Stephanie, thank you for asking that. That is an untold part of this story in the history of the state of Missouri that I'm so proud of that uh, I think that people need to understand. We didn't just remove Tim Gardner. We instantly helped restore the rule of law and find justice for victims. So we were going to court on May 16th and two hours before we were supposed to be in court, she resigned. Three hours after that, my office sent a team of seven prosecutors into the circuit attorney's office. And so imagine that we were adversarial to her office. All of a sudden we've got the keys. The governor has appointed us to assist. We go into that office and instantly reestablish law and order. How did we do that? We reopened warrant office. So as police were catching criminals and applying for warrants, we were submitting those warrants to the court to hold those individuals in custody until such time as the case could start moving forward. We got we were on the scene of a homicide that night, helping uh, fill out uh, search warrants to hold that wrongdoer accountable. We instantly prepared numerous cases for jury trial by getting evidence out the door, part of discovery, by subpoenaing witnesses, prepping the case for trial. We mentored the skeleton crew staff she still had remaining so that they could stand up and do their jobs for the first time in years. Uh, we also... Uh, kept, we, we helped start reviewing cases for new charges and got several cases bound over through probable cause hearings, and we kept 100 cases as a safety valve. Uh, that's the kind of uh, work we did to restore the rule of law in the city of St. Louis. And again, that's an untold part of the, the, the history of this event. General Bailey, we appreciate you joining us. I'm going to go back to that about that warrant office. That was, tell us about that. That was, you said you reopened it, so that was closed. And why was that? Why was that closed? And when was that closed? So at some point during Kim Gardner's tenure, she stopped having a an attorney at a desk 24-7 to receive warrant applications from the police officer. So at 4 a.m., if there's a homicide and the police catch the suspect and have probable cause to hold him, they need to be able to, they, they can't do that for more than 24 hours without, without a judge signing a warrant. And so there used to be an office with a desk and a computer and a prosecutor sitting there 24-7, and the police could show up and say, hey, I just caught this bad guy. Here's my probable cause statement. The uh, uh, prosecuting attorney would help fill out a warrant application and would get a, an order from the, the judge to hold the suspect in custody. Tim Gardner stopped doing that. And so what happened was she just set up a computer system and, and police would have to email their warrant applications in and she would kind of get to them when she could. But it essentially 
resulted in a catch and release policy where the police were catching bad guys on the street in real time, but they couldn't hold them because they couldn't get a warrant because the prosecutor wasn't fulfilling their proper role in the system. And so that warrant office was critical to instantly reestablishing the rule of law in the city of St. Louis. And it had immediate impact, immediate results. And I'm proud to see that the the current circuit attorney has maintained that effort. Mm. General St. Louis judge all ready to hear arguments. We flip the story a little bit in another lawsuit challenging Missouri's abortion law. This is one of the ones that lawmakers passed measures that stands and inserted their own religious beliefs. Where is this all headed, and what do you think is going to end up ultimately on the ballot before Missourians? Yeah, I mean, the, the, look, it's important to understand who the, the plaintiff is here, and it's the Church of Satan has declared that uh, their religious right to kill babies has been violated by Missouri's heartbeat bill that protects innocent life and the, the, the health of, of women and children. And so uh, they've challenged that statute. Uh, we've won almost on all. We've defeated all of their claims except for one. The, that single claim still needs to be litigated, and so we're going back to court today to litigate that claim in the city of St. Louis. These types of claims have failed in the past, uh, and so we're confident in uh, ultimate victory on this issue, and we'll continue to defend the health and safety of women and children in the state of Missouri. General Bailey, any other news you'd like to share with our audience today? It seems like things are always uh, bubbling and boiling in your office to, to the public benefit. Yeah, you know, guys, and I know we've talked about it before, but we have the most important First Amendment suit in this nation's history pending. We've uncovered a relationship of coercion and collusion between Biden's White House and big tech social media to silence American voices in violation of our right to free speech is codified in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. Everyone will remember when those censorship algorithms on big tech suddenly changed in 2020 and all of a sudden people were being shadow banned or booted off platforms to include President Trump. Well, it turns out that was done because the federal government demanded it. And so, we've again, we've uncovered the worst First Amendment violations in this nation's history. We've got to build a wall of separation between tech and state to defend our First Amendment right to free speech. We went to court back in May and got a nationwide injunction handed down in July. We've successfully defended that injunction twice at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. So the score is three, Biden zero in the fight for free speech. We're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, the United States Supreme Court has granted cert on that case, and we'll be arguing that case shortly after the new year uh, to defend our First Amendment rights free speech. All right, Andrew Bailey, thanks for joining us. I'll be popping the corn while we all watch that argument, okay? All right. <laughs> thanks for, for, very much for joining us. Would be all except for this. Stay tuned for more. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri.